Section One of the Story of the Mikado. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Noel Badrian. The Story of the Mikado by W. S. Gilbert. Forward and Chapter One, Part One. Forward. Some of those who owe many a delightful hour to the genius of Sir William S. Gilbert may be interested in hearing how this book came to be written. In the pre-war days, that now seem so dim and distant, it occurred to his publisher that the story of The Mikado, told afresh by its author, would be welcomed by many of his admirers. Sir William Gilbert accepted the project with even more than his usual geniality, and many talks about it with him will always be remembered by those who had the good fortune to be present. That its publication has been so long delayed must be attributed mainly to the difficulties which have obstructed the production of books, especially those with coloured illustrations, during the last seven years. But the evidence of never-failing popularity which recent revivals of the Savoy operas have afforded suggests that this last literary work of Sir W. S. Gilbert should be no longer withheld from the public, and it is now offered to his devotees with fresh illustrations by Miss Alice B. Woodward, whose talented work and sympathetic renderings of all that is humorous and fanciful have made her known to a wide circle of admirers. Daniel O'Connor Chapter 1, Part 1 It has recently been discovered that Japan is a great and glorious country whose people are brave beyond all measure, wise beyond all telling, amiable to excess, and extraordinarily considerate to each other and to strangers. This is the greatest discovery of the early years of the twentieth century and is one of the results of the tremendous lesson the japanese inflicted on the russians who attempted to absorb a considerable portion of manchuria a few years ago the japanese however attained their present condition of civilization very gradually and at the date of my story they had peculiar tastes ideas and fashions of their own many of which they discarded when they found that they did not coincide with the ideas of the more enlightened countries of europe so if my readers are of opinion as they very likely will be that some of their customs as they are revealed in this story are curious odd or ridiculous they must bear in mind that the Japan of that time was very unlike the Japan of today. It is important to bear this in mind, because our government being, in their heart of hearts, a little afraid of the Japanese, are extremely anxious not to irritate or offend them in any way, lest they should come over here and give us just such a lesson as they gave the Russians a few years ago. My readers will understand that this fear is not entertained by the generality of inhabitants of Great Britain and Ireland, who, as a body, are not much afraid of any nation. It is confined mainly to the good and wise gentlemen who rule us just now, and whose wishes should consequently be respected. Many years ago, I won't say how many, because I don't know, 
japan was ruled by a great and powerful mikado and a mikado in those days was regarded as four-fifths a king and one-fifth a god it has recently been decided that there is less of the god in him than people originally supposed and he is now regarded simply as an absolute monarch but at the time of my story the mistake that his subjects made as to how he was put together had not been discovered if the existing mikado had one fault mind i don't say that he had it was a habit of punishing every mistake however insignificant with death and this caused him to be regarded with a kind of respectful horror by his subjects at large but it must be remembered that he lived a long time ago and no mikado of the present day would ever think of doing anything of the kind now in those days there was a certain musician called nanki poo who played the second trombone in the purple tartarian band and the purple tartarian band was engaged for the season as the town band of a popular seaside resort called titipu and titipu was the capital of an important province called tokisaki the town band used to play every morning at the end of the pier and it was customary for all the visitors at titipu to stroll up and down the pier after bathing just as they do today at brighton or weymouth one of his audience was a beautiful young girl called yum yum who was betrothed quite against her will to her guardian coco a cheap advertising tailor in a large way of business yum yum means when translated the full moon of delight which sheds her remarkable beams over a sea of infinite loveliness thus indicating a glittering path by which she may be approached by those who are willing to brave the perils which necessarily await the daring adventurers who seek to reach her by those means which shows what a compact language the japanese is when all these long words can be crammed into two syllables or rather into one syllable repeated personally i should say that this description was a little high-flown for a schoolgirl home for the holidays however pretty she might be but like most first names it was given to her when she was a baby and expressed nothing more than her fond parents hopes that she would eventually grow up to deserve it and yum yum was after all a very attractive young lady now yum yum who had a delicate ear for music detected a quality in nanki poo's performance on the second trombone which plainly distinguished him from the very inferior artist who played the first trombone and who from motives of professional jealousy blew upon his instrument with all his might in order to divert attention from nanki poo to himself but this ill-natured man defeated his own object for though nanki poo as second trombone had nothing to do but to play amorosamente ma non troppo over and over again while his jealous superior played the air nanki's tu 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 was given with such tender delicacy and with such an exquisite appreciation of the precise shade of sentiment intended to be conveyed by the composer that the crowd listened to him with tears in their eyes and simply regarded the first trombone who only played the air as an interfering and self-asserting busybody this was especially the case when 
home sweet home was played for after he had blown at home sweet home as loud as he could everybody wished he would go there and leave them at liberty to concentrate their attention on nanki poo's delightful two 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 without interruption notwithstanding the fact that she had been forcibly betrothed to her guardian yum yum who at first was fascinated by nanki poo's performance ended by being fascinated by nanki poo himself and this shows what a sensible girl yum yum was if a young lady is to yield to fascination at all it is much wiser to begin by being fascinated by a gentleman's beautiful work and then transfer her admiration to the gentleman who created it than to begin by being fascinated by the gentleman before she knows whether he is able to create any beautiful work at all now nanki poo was such a conscientious musician that he devoted the whole of his attention to rendering expressively the simple but touching music he had to play and never by any chance did he allow his beautiful purple eyes which exactly matched his uniform to wander from the music paper on which his notes were inscribed so it came to pass that while yum yum was engaged in the act of transferring her admiration from his work to himself nanki poo was quite unconscious of the effect that he had created but one happy day while the band was playing as usual at the end of the pier a drenching shower of rain fell and nanki poo ran for shelter with several others under a refreshment pavilion in which such attractive delicacies as fried snails and scraped shark's fin were sold at a reasonable rate and there he saw yum yum who had also sought protection from the heavy downpour their eyes met and nanki poo was quite as much fascinated by yum yum as yum yum had for many weeks past been fascinated by him from that moment his performance on the second trombone perceptibly deteriorated his two 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 was given carelessly and wandered into several keys for he was always on the lookout for yum yum and when his eyes met hers the three beautiful notes with which he was entrusted were scarcely recognizable the first trombone came into favour with the crowd once more and nanki poo's performance ceased to be generally attractive to the audience at large eventually the titipu season came to an end but before the purple tartarians left for another part of the country nanki poo in the course of another obliging shower contrived to tell yum yum of the affection he entertained for her and i need hardly describe her distress when she told him with many sobs and endless tears not only that she was betrothed against her will to be married to her undesirable guardian but that their marriage was to take place in a year's time as soon as her education at her finishing school was completed as the whole band had to fulfil an engagement at a distant part of the country nanki poo and yum yum were necessarily separated yum yum returned to school that she might continue her preparations for the matriculation examination at the university of tokyo and engaged as she was in these absorbing pursuits she had little time to devote to memories of nanki poo who eventually passed almost out of her mind 
nanki poo upon whose sensitive heart yum yum had made an indelible impression had no matriculation examination to distract his thoughts and so it happened that when his engagement with the purple tartarians came to an end he found himself without any settled means of gaining a livelihood so he bought a kind of cheap japanese banjo as being easier to carry than a trombone and earned a poor subsistence by playing and singing at tea-houses and other places of rest and refreshment now the mikado who after all was a sensible monarch in some respects had issued a decree that any persons who were guilty of the vulgar and detestable offence of scribbling their obscure names upon public monuments should forthwith be beheaded and nanki poo in the course of his travels learnt to his delight that one of the first to incur this serious punishment was yum yum's guardian koko the cheap tailor of titipu who had written try koko's fifteen shilling suits on a highly venerated statue of buddha their favourite deity so nanki poo packed up his banjo and without a moment's delay set off on foot for titipu in order to claim yum yum's hand in marriage now that she was likely to be free to give it to him the inhabitants of titipu were greatly agitated at the fate that had befallen koko not only because it brought forcibly to their minds the fact that any one of them might be subjected to a similar punishment for really insignificant little mistakes such as any of us might make in a moment of forgetfulness but also because the town of titipu was so entirely free from anything like crime that when the late lord high executioner retired on a pension at the respectable age of ninety-eight it was not thought worth while to appoint a successor it is true that office was the highest dignity that a citizen could attain yet the salary attached to it was so enormous that in the interests of public economy it was thought better to leave it vacant until occasion arose for a decapitation when it would be quite time to fill it up now however the occasion had arisen and the question was what was to be done the town council of titipu met several times to consider it and eventually they came to a decision which was that they could not do better than to confer the post of lord high executioner on koko himself because as they reasoned very ingeniously one all criminals sentenced to death must be executed in the order in which they are sentenced two koko is the next in order to be executed three if we appoint him lord high executioner he cannot behead anybody else until he has beheaded himself four but a man cannot behead himself five therefore he can never behead anybody else and we are all quite safe and can do exactly as we please which is an uncommonly jolly state of things so as soon as the town council had arrived at this sensible decision they commanded the inhabitants to assemble in the market-place of titipu in order that koko arrayed in his new robes of office might be presented to them i should state that he had already been appointed for several weeks but his robes took a long time to embroider 
it was a great day for titipu flags were hung out everywhere a delicious kind of boiled seaweed was served out gratuitously to everyone there were very few however who applied for it an apple and a bun were presented to all the board school children and all the fountains in the city ran with weak tea little japanese fireworks such as you find in crackers at christmas parties were discharged in all directions and thousands of halfpence were thrown among the crowd to be scrambled for a great dignitary called Pooh bar who among many other things was chairman of the town council and of whom you will read a good deal presently formally introduced koko who was arrayed in magnificent robes of black and gold and carried an enormous sword six feet long which was his badge of office and the people received him with shouts of banzai banzai which is japanese for hip hip hurrah and sang in chorus the following beautiful lines behold the lord high executioner a personage of noble rank and title a dignified and potent officer whose duties are particularly vital defer defer to the lord high executioner to which koko replied taken from the county jail by a set of curious chances liberated then on bail on my own recognizances wafted by a favouring gale as one sometimes is in trances surely never had a male under such like circumstances so adventurous a tale which may rank with most romances then he made a little speech which was really an echo of one of his trade circulars gentlemen i am much touched by this reception i can only trust that by strict attention to business i shall ensure a continuance of those favours which it will ever be my study to deserve in the highly improbable event of my ever being called upon to act professionally i am happy to think that there will be no difficulty in finding plenty of people whose deaths will be a distinct gain to society at large and then he sang the following song which he had composed that very morning koko's song as some day it may happen that a victim must be found i've made a little list i've made a little list of inconvenient people who might well be underground for they never would be missed they never would be missed the donkey who of nine times six and eight times seven prates and stumps you with inquiries on geography and dates and asks for your ideas on spelling parallelogram all narrow-minded people who are stingy with their jam and the torture-dealing dentist with the forceps in his fist they'd none of them be missed they'd none of them be missed there's the nursemaid who each evening in curl papers does your hair with an aggravating twist she never would be missed and tells you that you mustn't cough or sneeze or yawn or stare she never would be missed i'm sure she'd not be missed all those who hold that children shouldn't have too much to eat and think cold suet pudding a delicious birthday treat who say that little girls to bed at seven should be sent and consider pocket money isn't given to be spent and doctors who on giving you unpleasant draughts insist 
they never would be missed they'd none of them be missed then the teacher who for hours keeps you practising your scales with an ever-aching wrist she never would be missed and children too who out of school are fond of telling tales they never would be missed i'm sure they'd not be missed all people who maintain in solemn earnest not in joke that quantities of sugar plums are bad for little folk and those who hold the principle unalterably fixed that instruction with amusement should most carefully be mixed and all these and many others i have placed upon the list for they never would be missed never never would be missed of course this song was only coco's fun for he was naturally too delighted at his sudden promotion from the condition of a convict under sentence of death to the exalted position of lord high executioner to take anything seriously and it was so regarded by his audience who were not so unfeeling as to desire that a severe punishment should be inflicted upon people who after all were only doing a kind of duty in a rather injudicious manner well when the people had enjoyed koko's little joke the japanese are a simple people who are very easily amused koko proceeded at once to the palace which had been assigned to him as an official residence followed by the populace at large the wealthy but thrifty poo bar however remained in the market-place in order to pick up any of the halfpence which had been thrown among the crowd and which might have escaped their observation this he did partly with the view of humiliating his family pride but principally because his maxim was that as regards a halfpenny you never could tell when it would come in handy End of section one